John chapter 15, starting at verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, and I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that was written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In John Uh, chapters 14 through 16, uh, there's this long discourse by Jesus. And just a few weeks ago, Pastor Mark uh, likened it to Jesus's last will and testament. He's having a really intimate and powerful conversation with his disciples. and, And he's giving them encouragement. He's letting them know about the promise of his spirit. Uh, that'll be given to them. And he's telling them all of these things in anticipation of him going to the cross. Part of this conversation, um, like Pastor Rose brought up last week, was Jesus making a statement saying that he is the vine and that our call as followers of Christ is to reside in him. 
because this is one long discourse, there's obviously a lot of carryover that's going to be happening from um, what Pastor Rose talked about last week. And I want to keep that imagery of us residing in Jesus in front of us. And, and I thought to do so, uh, that we would use this plant. Uh, by the way, for those of you that might be listening over podcasts later, I'm holding a plant in my hand. And maybe as you're listening, you can imagine uh, that scene taking place. But, but I want us to keep this in, our, in, our, in front of us because I think it'll, it'll help us to capture and, and imagine uh, what Jesus is, is communicating. At the close of the section that was read last week in chapter 15, verses 16 and 17, Jesus says this. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And at the start of today's section uh, of scripture that we're we're talking about this morning, Jesus says this to, to his followers. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I think we have in front of us this this really beautiful description uh, of where we find ourselves as followers of Christ. We're a part of this new plant. We we reside in Jesus. Uh, Life is defined by our connection to him. And anything that we produce will be because he is our sustenance. I think to think about it this way is to say that I know that this isn't a vine, but you think about the branches coming off of a vine. We know that anything that they will produce is because that is what the vine is feeding to them. That is the nutrients. That is... I mean, their sustenance, everything, right, is, is, is existing because of what the vine is feeding to them. So it makes it so clear, it makes so much sense then why Jesus then says, I give you these commands so that you would love one another. Why? Because we're going to produce what he feeds us. At the core of who Jesus is resides love, a regard for others, a life laid down on behalf of others. So it's no wonder then that that will be the fruit that we produce. But there's this other side of things, right? Like this is communication from Jesus that says, listen, you you were a part of, of a different plan. Think about over the pages of scripture that the Bible highlights for us that uh, let's stop and think about Adam and Eve, that that at the very front of scripture, we, we find that God made everything and he made it good. And he called humanity to govern and subdue the earth, to reign over it within him and and according to who he is. And and then there's this tragedy that takes place. The Bible highlights how humanity makes a decision to want to know right and wrong, good and evil from its own vantage point, from its own perspective. 
And so then we see over the course of human history, the story of Noah to the Tower of Babel, look over the book of Judges to to the Chronicles to to the prophets, right? Humanity doesn't have a king and they are governing and making decision based on what seems right in their own eyes. So, so Jesus now comes and tells us the work that he's done. Listen, I chose you. I, I came along and I called you away from where you used to be centered in. And, and in that, Jesus gives a very loving warning to his disciples. Because Jesus knows that for those that used to reside in this plant, but now reside in him. The trouble is we still live in the world. This is still our, can be considered our home, right? Like we, we, we still operate in the, in, in this world. And, and though we operate in this world, we, we don't sound like it anymore. And we're more importantly, we're not centered in it anymore. Our vantage point, our formation, the shape of our life is becoming completely different. And so Jesus comes and he tells the disciples, I'm looking at chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. He said, I'm saying all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out in the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And so Jesus' desire here for, for his disciples is to say, don't lose heart, because you don't have a home in this world anymore. And, and these comments coming out of Jesus are obviously rooted in the fact of how the world regarded him. He knows precisely what we're going to be facing. There will be hard times ahead for you because there's a disconnect now. You're you're speaking from a completely different center point. And so Jesus tells us that there will be hate and there will be animosity and there will be tension and there will be hostility and there will be rejection. You will feel like aliens in this world. You feel like sojourners. You will feel like strangers in in this place because you're centered somewhere else. And in chapter 15, verse 19, he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Again, there's that disconnect. Listen, listen, the world would love you if you were centered in it. Right? The world is, is it's, it's still calling out for, for our allegiance, for us to govern alongside the world from its own perspective. You think about companies, you think about sports teams, organizations, political parties, right? they all want us to align with them. Uh, D.A. Carson in his commentary on the Gospel of John says this, the world is a society of rebels and therefore finds it hard to tolerate those who are in joyful allegiance to the king to whom all loyalty is due. We put, right, the world would love you, the world loves you when you're on its side, 
but you don't live here anymore. And so obviously that creates tension for the follower of Christ. And it's something that Jesus wants to make sure that we are aware of, that we have a heads up of. I want want to take this time to talk about the time that we find ourselves in. Tuesday's election day. And, And to go further with using these plants, I want to say that we have two plants that are calling for us to be in their camp. And both of them are presenting a vision for what human governing is meant to look like. Both of them present an understanding of of what good and evil is, right and wrong. Both of them are are communicating visions of of this is is an idea and a platform and policies that, that we want to enact because this is how we believe human governing should look like. And, and, and the trouble is, like you've probably seen, is now we live in this tension in this body of, as the body of Christ. Because the reality that we find ourselves in is some are looking at one plant and saying, well, there's more that I can affirm here than the other plant. While others in the body of Christ are saying, well, there's more than I can affirm here than this other plant. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, we're, we're looking at each other and we're trying to figure out, like, how is it that you're more supporting this one than the other? We're saying, well, how is it that, more, that you're more supporting this one? But can I take a quick side note and say, how, however you're voting, you're, you're loved here. You, you are loved here. And, and, and my hope for us is, is to recognize that, that the reason we're so, that this becomes such a hot issue for us in the body of Christ is because we care deeply about the world. Though, even though we're not of the world, we, we desire to advocate for others. We, we desire to see human flourishing. We desire for people to be taken care of. But we also recognize this. Both of these will fall drastically short of being able to embody the vision of the kingdom of God. And because they fall short, they could never be our anchor point for how we view the world. These will not be able to get to shape our imaginations of what human flourishing looks like. Rich Viotis, a pastor out in Queens, New York, he says this, the church is not to be found at the center of a left-right political world. The church is to be a species of its own kind, confounding both left and right and finding its identity from the center of God's life. I think I would say it this way. Our abiding cannot be in these plants because we reside in Jesus. He becomes the place where we are being formed. He's the one that is shaping how we act. He's the one that's creating within us an imagination for what it would look like for heaven and earth to be merged together. Uh, 
We want to see the characteristics of God's reign to begin to emerge on earth. And so what does that mean? What does that mean when we consider how we vote? Listen, some of you may be, may be hoping that I say, well, then this is how you should vote. And maybe other views are, are uh, panicked by the idea that I would come up and say, hey, this is how you should vote. What, what I want you to hear this morning is this. It needs to be from this center point, from our abiding in Jesus, from being anchored in him and our imaginations of what human flourishing uh, being like becomes alive in Christ. And then it's from this point that we then try to discern what their policies and their character would look like being given power. Did they have characteristics about them that will reflect the kingdom of God? And I'll just say it this way. That is a complex and challenging question. That is something extremely difficult for us to navigate. And it's no wonder as followers of Christ that we land in so many different places because it's not just one idea that's being presented amongst them, but within these plants are a variety of ways that issues are being addressed. So again, we have to realize as being censored in Christ, we know that they could never fully embody the kingdom of God. And so from a place of being censored in Christ, we will pray, we will discern, we will seek to be informed, we will seek to have tough conversations with people that have differing viewpoints than us, and we will make a decision, but then ultimately we, we will confess they do not get our allegiance. Because like this passage is highlighting, Jesus is telling us, I've called you out from the world. And so I heard someone say it this way, that right after we vote for someone or for some party, that after we vote, we start the work of resistance. And I think that's a really good way to view it, that we resist them becoming our center point. We resist uh, how they would want us to view the world from anchored in them. We resist the thought of them being our hope. We resist the belief that they alone can fix it. We resist the areas that they don't demonstrate the kingdom of God. And we're able to see that they're going to emphasize some characteristics of God's kingdom, but they're also going to denigrate other characteristics and concerns of God's kingdom. And so it's from this place of being censored in Christ, we validate, but we also reject, right? We validate and we reject what the world is doing and how it's ruling from our place being censored in Jesus. We're not of this world. And so that means that we do live in this challenge of saying we don't fit neatly in either party. So how do we go forward? What do we do now? Because the reality is, is we're not indifferent to the pains and the issues that humanity is facing. And if anything, because of our place in Christ, our hearts are becoming more 
tender to the things that people are facing. Because we reside in Jesus, our hearts are having this growing longing for things to be made new in the world. And so what's happening within us is that he's being now residing in him and being called out of the world. He's teaching us to regard life from this vantage point. That means we're learning to lay down things we thought we were good, but we're actually causing harm. We're being convicted of sin and the ways that it's ravaging humanity. We're submitted to Jesus as he's purging evil and sin from our hearts. Our hearts are being expanded to care for those that are outside of our circles. We're being transformed every day by the sacrificial love of Jesus, and we're being moved to a place of serving and generosity. See, it's so important for us to catch that what Jesus is communicating to his followers, what is going to be produced and what is going to be displayed amongst you, right? You're going to be this witness to the world. And though they'll have a hard time understanding who you are and what you're communicating, you're still called to be this witness to the world. And Jesus' command to us that the fruit that we would demonstrate that what we would display to the world around us is that Jesus draws a direct line from residing in him to our regard for one another. See, Jesus' command isn't reside in me and put up with each other, but I believe that what he's actually calling us to is to be a people who share our lives together, that we would demonstrate to the world what it looks like for a people of a wide variety of experiences and backgrounds and opinions to actually find a home together. See, that the issues that we see in the world around us, they weigh heavy on our hearts. But we will not be able to offer a counter narrative to the world if we are disconnected from Jesus and centered in something else. Our residing together in Jesus becomes a powerful testimony to the world that here is a people that are being shaped by Jesus to love one another. They don't just look to their own interest, but they are constantly making efforts to look to the, diff- to, to, the, to the interest of others. And we will see him be the one that is empowering every good work that we're longing to see take place in the world. Again, centered in him. Like I said earlier in this passage, Jesus is calling us to be a witness, to be one that testify to the world who he is. And the great news is, we do not do that work on our own. In, in this section, in chapter 15, verse 26, he says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. In chapter 16, verses uh, 13 and, and 14, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will to declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. See, Jesus knows that our, the challenge ahead for us is that we stray from him being the center 
we do lose heart. We do have this temptation because of the, the, the tension that exists in the world around us. If, when you're a people that are persecuted, that, that are looked at as different, that, that aren't just completely validating and going along with the way that the world is governing, it does create tension. It creates friction points for you. So he tells us, listen, I'm going to give you a true friend. And the spirit will be at work within you, constantly guiding you back to Jesus, constantly encouraging you to abide in Jesus. His work is to witness to who Jesus is. Let me remind you about Jesus. Let me remind you about Jesus. Let me remind you about Jesus. Why? Because as we, tr- as we long to produce fruit, as we long to be a demonstration and, and a testimony and a witness to the world of who Jesus is and his desire to make all things new, his desire to rule and to reign and to make things right, it, the way that compassion lives within him, the way that he longs to visit the brokenhearted and the oppressed and the abandoned and the orphaned and the widowed, like the, the, we long to declare and express and show that to the world around us. And the way that that so beautifully happens is by the Holy Spirit witnessing to us, know Jesus, reside in him, be centered in him so that the shape of your life begins to look like his and, and the concern that you have and the focus of, that you have moves away from, from your own selfish ambitions and goals and desires and vantage point. And all of a sudden, man, life begins to look so different because you're being sustained and formed by Jesus. Spirit of the living God, what I pray that you would do in this place today is remind us of who Jesus is and the way that he loves the world. That he's not indifferent to the points of pain and suffering. That you know deeply the issues that we are trying to solve in our world. But Lord, we confess that we have so often tried to do that from a different center point. And so we return to you and, and we open ourselves up to the spirits leading and guiding in our lives so that we might be more and more at home in Jesus. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.